This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is the first week of July. I can't even wrap my head around how fast this year is going. I always say that over the summer, um, and then it just happens all the time anyway. So um, so we have some really fun and amazing writers this summer, and, and know that it is a really great book for you to step back and just let yourself read that book that's been sitting in your TV red pile or what have you. Just give yourself time to breathe and, and step away. Go into an alternate reality in the pages of a book. It's, I think, incredibly important and healthy um, because sometimes the world just gets a little bit overwhelming. And I'm not saying to forget or blow things off or not go back to – um, helping others when you're done, but just sometimes you need to breathe. So uh, one of the things I hope that I do here on the show is give you a chance to look at some authors maybe new to you, as well as just to give you some something different to hear. So today I have Whitney Deenan. She is an author of children's books, mommy fiction, rom-coms, and thrillers. She loves to create stories for all women, breaking the Hollywood stereotype of size four and under leading that are all leading ladies are the only ones looking for love and earning life goals. Not only is she an author, but she spent most of her adult life as a plus size model, ranging anywhere from size 12 to 16. She's always been the star of her very own story, and she has done her best to play second fiddle to no one. Her heroines wear double digits, even when they struggle with identity issues, they're no less appealing for it. Um, and a strong woman is, comes in any size, right? Uh, women come in all shapes and sizes, and there's no perfect model out there. Her books are for anyone who loves amazing heroines, swoony heroes, and a lot of laughter. Her newest, No Ordinary Hate, is the first book in a Gamble on Love mom-com series. But she has a ton of other books to choose from, so believe me, you will be very, very busy reading her stuff. You can find Whitney online at her website, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, BookBub, and Goodreads. All of those are links are in the write-up of the show. Welcome, Whitney. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm happy to be talking it's to you today. It's been a since we talked. Yeah, because last time we right? talked, we talked about your Scot. Yeah, we talked about your Scottish um, romance. It's been a bit. Correct. Um, Relatively normal. But, that was a long yeah. time ago. It was. So, and you've got a ton of stuff since then. So, I mean... So let's just kind of start at the beginning. When when was the when did the writing bug hit you? Um, you know, I as a kid, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I grew up with a learning disability, and my disability was a comprehension one. So while I could read, I had no retention of what I did read. Okay. So it made my formative years a bit of a struggle and I used to sit in the library and stare at all the books and think oh my god can you just imagine what it would be like to read just write one book just one book it has to be so amazing Um, and so I started growing out of my disability in high school and I got into the honors program which meant I had no social life because I had a lot of uh, a lot of lost time to make up for so anyway, it goes back to them. That 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 was the time where I was like, I really, if I could just write one book in my life, I'm just going to feel like a superstar. Well, I mean, it, I'm amazed how many 
authors I talked to that um, they have some something that kind of inhibited them from being able to to read or write well as kids, um, dyslexia, uh, attention, you know, comprehension, dysgraphia. And it's, I always find it very interesting how you, those of us who struggle go into those fields because it's like, I want to do this. Like you're that, that, that drive to understand and comprehend and communicate, um, is, is so huge. So good for you. I, I can't yeah, imagine how something that's probably inspired. Yeah. Yeah. And to yourself is the big one. Like, cause you know, you know it, right? It is right. And and when I was a kid, I thought, I don't care what kind of book it is. It could be a comic book. I didn't care. I just wanted to write a book. So, it, you know, it wasn't until I was an adult, probably in my mid thirties that I thought, you know, what am I waiting for? Why don't, why don't I just try mm-hmm. it? So clearly it's worked yeah. out. Okay. <laughs> it has. You've got quite a few. I mean, you've got like, you know, this little lovely little um, long stretch of book covers. So, and all of them, you know, will be popping up here as we're reading, uh, as we're talking. But I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's just kind of fun to see the progress. And then you get to, of course, you look at it and go, wow, I wrote a lot of stuff. Um, Do you ever go back and look at other books and you're reading something, you go, wow, that's pretty good. Um, I do. <laughs> I go back after a couple of years and I'll sit down and go through them and I'll be like, well, hello. But with me, I'm sort of an automatic writer. So I'm, I'm always surprised by what comes out of me. I'm not a plotter. I have no idea what's happening next. I yeah. can't wait to wake up in the morning and see where the story goes. So yeah, I'm kind yeah. of like the secretary for the voices in my head. <laughs> As sane as that sounds. Oh, wow. That is an amazing statement. It really is. Um, yeah, I, my daughter was asking the other day, she goes, so how's this going? Because I've kind of had you know, brain fog for the past couple of years. And I said, like, well, you know, my characters are really talking to me now. And they're, they are doing stuff that I didn't realize that they, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that makes sense. It's, and sometimes you don't even see it until it's already on the screen. It's like, oh, well, okay. That's, then that's what's happening. <laughs> And that's why. That's exactly exactly how it is with me. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And then it just keeps going. So I'm sort of reading it for the first time as it's being, you know, as it's being written. I'm good with it. It works. Yeah, it does. So you have this really wide range of, of books. You've got children, middle grade fiction, romantic comedy, mommy humor, you know, thrillers. How do you put your brain in these different boxes, I mean, these different genres? Because if you're writing middle grade fiction, it's very different from thriller. Well, it is. And I I think the middle grade fiction, I wrote those books a long time ago. I only have two published, and there are six books in the series. But my romantic comedies just took off. And so that's Mm -hmm. where my focus has to be. Um, The mommy humor book was, cathartic to me I had had really horrible postpartum depression after both of my girls excuse me and that was just cathartic to me becoming sane again when they were like five and seven Mm -hmm. (laughs) it took me a while yeah yeah um so and then the thriller I would write thrillers every day of the week if I could but you know I like I said my my rom-coms are what people love me for that's what they buy and so that's no hardship for me to write those. I love them. 
Right. So I'm just all, so I'm just, you, you know, say, my, yes, the voices are diverse. Every, right. Right. It, it's funny because it, it's um, one of those things that sometimes you're like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to write this and I've got this chapter in the and it's burning a hole. It's burning a hole. You know, it's burning a hole in your brain, but then all of a sudden this other story shows up and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Do you have a message where you um, – write things down just so you don't forget like notes for yourself or do you let yourself you purge know, that out and come back? I don't. What I do is if I've committed to a series and someone starts talking to me that's completely unrelated to the series, I just write faster to get the series out so I can get there. I don't <laughs> write it down for the reason that it may not want to tell itself to me at that point in the game. And I want to be open for whichever story wants to be written when I'm available to write it. Right. Right. So tell me, so you've got, you've talked about in your bio, you talked about sizes and, and classic Hollywood sizes and such. And, and, and there has been a change over the past several years. It's, it's, it's slow. Um, and, but I'm glad to see more kinds of, people in movies um, and more heroin different sizes and you know, everything. Um, how did you, first, how did you get into plus size modeling? And then when did you decide to pull that into your stories, like those kinds of stories? Um, I was in college and my roommate was a model and we had, uh, we were going to buy tickets to an REM concert and she had to stop by her agency to pick up her check so she could pay for her ticket. So when I was there, she introduced me to her agent who said to me, well, have you ever thought about modeling? And I had thought about it. You know, I was 6'1", and I was a size 10 then. And I was Uh too big, or I thought I was too big. And she said, well, we have a new plus size division. And I was like, wow, that's not very nice. (laughs) And so she showed me pictures of who were plus size models at the time, and they were eights, tens, twelves, fourteens, and they were gorgeous women. And I thought, well, what the heck? Why not? Why not give it a shot? Right. And so I wound up uh, working a lot, and I moved to New York, and I worked there for a few years. I met my husband there, and then I just, we moved to Mm -hmm. Los Angeles, and I continued on. So um, I definitely was kind of one of the pioneering, it was the pioneering age of plus-size modeling. It was very new. It was in the the late 80s, early, all throughout the 90s. I guess I stopped in 2010. Um, Okay. And it's nice to see what's happened. I mean, I'm so far away from it now. You know, it's been a number of years since I've even thought about it. But um, I do see the girls out there and the acceptance and the body positivity. And and I'm just delighted because I have two girls. I have an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, and I love that they're growing up in a much more accepting society than I did. Yes. Yes. And I, I think it's the, um, you know, I, it's funny because my daughters, I, I have three girls and, 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 and so sometimes 80s movies will come up and they'll just look at me like, what is going on? Like nobody, okay, ever, all the women's hair is huge, right? Because it was. And, and <laughs> Which I love, the bigger the hair, right? <laughs> yes. Right. Awesome. The closer to God. Yeah, the better <laughs> That's right. That's right. Tied, tied was it uh, dyed, fried, and two feet wide. That's right. So, um, <laughs> but 
then we have, um, but it's, it, everybody was so thin. Like you see it and it's almost now you, I look at it, I'm like, oh, people were way too thin, like skinny. Um, so, and, and unhealthily so. I mean, there's people that are naturally thin and are naturally toned and athletic. You know, they will, in the natural way of like they're exercising, they're working for it. Um, but it's, yeah, but it's interesting because it was like one size, like you're talking about. And that whole change came. Um, and well, there, yeah, at, at that like time, there was no, stuff. there was no um, awareness on the societal level of eating disorders. So at the time, you had a lot of women right. who weren't eating, or if they were eating, they were eating cotton balls because they wanted to fill up their stomach and they were throwing up and they were taking laxatives. And that's that's yeah. not the way to do it. So I, I no. love what is going on now. Um, only in my first three books are the girls size 12. Um, okay. And then, then I just don't even comment on size because it's become such a non-issue. Do you know what I mean? I, I want every right. reader to read the book yeah. and feel like I can plug my face into this book because, you know, because my heroines aren't perfect and they're funny as hell. And, you know, I just want, I want everybody to feel like they can be, you know, the star of their own romantic comedy. So I don't even comment on it in, in books after the first three. Yeah, I think I have found that you can make this, for lack of a better word, arbitrary um, size because if you never really mention it and you just, you know, if he's describing her or she's describing her and saying, you know, she had curves in all the right places, well, that could be anybody. Um, sure, that could be a size, size 8 with TNA or a size 18 with TNA. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And so I think it's it's fun to write um, that kind of a wide open or, you know, blank palette and everybody gets to put whatever colors they want on it because, um, you know, that's what they see when they read it. And I think it just opened a huge door for writers, um, quite honestly. So, and, and, and I think it, it changes. We don't have to have every heroine doesn't have to be this size and this, you know, whatever. Um, we can make them anybody, you know, our characters can be anybody. And I, I love that. I love that about it. And I, and like you're saying, you've seen it, you've seen the changes and then, um, and then you've got all these different books to show that you've uh, got these great heroines and, and heroes uh, going down, you know, finding each other and finding a happily ever after. So it's wonderful. Um, so tell me about your newest book. Nope. <clears throat> Excuse me. No ordinary hate. Um, that's the second series that I'm writing with Melanie Summers. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a mom-com series. So it's a series of single moms who find love. And I think for us, it's just the natural growth of our stories. You know, there are so many single 20 mm-hmm. and 30 year, women in their 20s and 30s, but there is a whole demographic of moms raising kids who are wondering, oh, my gosh, is there love for me? And when am I going to find it between which load of laundry and load of dishes and so we just wanted to we just wanted to give this other demographic like hey there's love for you too and and you may find it in the most unexpected ways and we want to tell those stories oh, yeah. so 
There are three books in that uh, yeah, series. We're just finishing right. up the second, and then there's one more that we'll put out before the new year. But you had another series that came out in April, like book seven as well? Um, the texting, the accidentally in love series, the one I did with, that was another series that I did with Melanie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what's coming up after you've done, you're done with these three mom coms? Um, I have two more books coming out in my seven brides, the seven mothers series. Five okay. are out, five are out now. Uh, next is queen of hearts. And then at last, so Queen of Hearts will be out this year. At last, will be out at the beginning of next year. <clears throat> and then I just open myself up and say, okay, voices, let me have it. <laughs> and we'll find out what's next. I'm sure it's another rom So what's, what's your method? Like, do you um, give yourself a certain amount of time to write a book? Do you have a schedule? Uh, how do you sit down and, and get these books finished? So I don't have a schedule. I um, I like to get a first draft done in six weeks, so it gives me some time. Okay. I don't say you have to write this many words a day. In fact, for me, that's like the worst advice because sometimes I'll sit down and write 1,200 words, which is nothing, and be like, well, that's all I can do sure. today. And then the next day I'll write 7,000, and they're great. So. I don't want to force a story that isn't organically telling me how it goes because who knows what I'll wind up with. So I just fly by the seat of my pants. I wake up early. I'm up at five in the morning when I'm writing. Um, Make a big old pot of coffee, hit the office. And then by the time my kids are up, especially in summer, you know, I have my word count in so I can go out to the garden and do the gardening and take them to the pool and do mom things. Do you bring something with you to write ideas down or are you done for the day? I mean, not like that's your word count. You're done. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'll okay. keep writing as long as the story is talking to me. But when it's like, okay, well, we're stopping. Well, then I just stop and I go in the other direction. I do what I need to do. And do as a mom, else. you know, that's a lot. <laughs> I do. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting, too, because it's that feeling of, um, you know, how many interruptions can I work through type situation? Because, you know, I've got four and they're between the ages of, um, I've got one in college and then one in seventh grade. And and especially when they were little, it was just like almost impossible to get anything done. It was horrible. Um, You know, it's just, it's just, you can't. And, and even it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll go to the pool and, and we'll go, you know, and, and even then it's like, oh, yeah, we're all right. But you can't because you're counting heads the whole time. Okay. Is the lifeguard actually looking at my kid? And oh, so. Um, right. Or are they flirting with someone else? And <laughs> my child's drowning like right in front of them. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, Okay. Um, I used to really dread the summer because I'm like, well, you know, there goes three months of work because I can't get squat done. Um, I found it very interesting that if I set everything up and I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get one hour of work done. And I would, you know, have like Playhouse Disney and I would have snacks and I would have, you know, everything set up and I would say, I'm going to go work like at the table. I'd say, okay, I'm going to work. So y'all play, you know, and they were all playing. Nobody's doing, you know, they're all having a good time. Within five minutes, something would have exploded, um, and screaming <laughs> would commence. Um, but there was one time I did that, but I didn't tell him I was working, 
and nobody bothered me for like two hours. So I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the vibes is sent out. Like mom's busy, so everybody like have a meltdown. Everybody sure. need her now. Sure oh no! Right? I now, think that is the common the mom ring. complaint. Yeah, yeah. I remember I talked to Brenda Novak years ago, and she was saying, "Yeah, you know, here I have written all these books, and my mother still calls me." in the middle of the day and says, what are you doing? And I was like, mom, I'm working, but you're home. <laughs> I know. I work from home. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yes, I get it. Yeah. So I think it's something we all wrestle with, of course, that idea that, but you're home. So therefore, you know, you're free. You must not work. Um, which, no, creative <laughs> energy does not happen that way at all. Um so if somebody wanted to, let's go back a bit to the modeling. If, if somebody, well, first let's say, what was the, the most fun, you know, photo shoot you did? Like what was the most fun and what was, what was ones that surprised you the most? Um, I loved, back in, back in the day, Mode Magazine, <laughs> M-O-D-E, oh, yeah. was the big plus-size high fashion magazine. So I loved working for them because it was always interesting locations and everyone just had such a great time, a lot of fun. Um, surprisingly, I love doing dance skin ads, which I'm, I'm like the least athletic person in the world, uh, but I jumped ropes <laughs> and I rode boats and I jumped on trampolines and I did all kinds of crazy crap for them. And I loved it. I had so much fun, which surprises me <laughs> a lot. Cool. That's cool. So yeah. did the modeling help um, pay for school? Did you use that to yes, pay for school? Yes, it did. The modeling paid for school. <laughs> I clepped uh, out of my first year in the honors program, so I started okay. as a sophomore. And um, nice. I did, and it was great. And I look back at it, and I'm happy I did it, but I'm not going to encourage my kids to do it. I'm going to encourage them to, you know, take the academic route because I look back and think, man, if only I had heard how smart I was my whole life, maybe I'd be, you know, a quantum physicist now, and maybe I'd be doing crazy, cool, advanced math. But instead I had a learning disability and I heard how pretty I was my whole life. (laughs) And so it sort of veered me into thinking, well, that must be how I'm supposed to make my living. I made a great living. I enjoyed it, but alas, I am, my gray matter is dwindling and quantum physics is no longer on the table. Well, you could have a character that's a quantum physicist. Just saying. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I won't get into any of the deep thinking, but physicists should have love too, right? Right. (laughs) You could do like a reverse big bang theory. So you could do, you know, all the women. Yeah. You could have all of the, all the nerds are women instead. So that was nice. Be, you should write that. There you go. There's your next assignment. There's your next project. Right Note there. to self. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to quantum physicists. <laughs> there are the buddy. And then I just stated myself. So. <laughs> so. No, no, believe me. Google I think we're, I think we're in the same pool there. Yeah. yeah. You saw my before it's and after, um, the before and after? I was just going to say, yes. you saw my before and after COVID pictures. 
I started out all right. brunette looking perky and I ended it like, screw it. I'm just going to be gray and who I am. I can't even. <laughs> so done. Right. Would you, would you go back into modeling if, if you could? No. At this point? No. At this no. Point? Okay. no, I no. there's not enough time in my life. I mean, I, I don't want to be traveling. I want to be home with my kids. Uh-huh. I want to be out in my garden. I, you know, my kids are, like I said, 11 and 13, and I'm already feeling like, oh, my gosh, that time's running out Yeah. before they're off yeah. to college. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love to see the granny chic ladies modeling out there with their gray hair looking fabulous. And I, I think it's great, but right. it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good stories, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, I read so many books during those years because, you know, we'd be out on location in San Francisco or New York, or I'd be somewhere sitting in a mobile home getting my hair and makeup done, waiting all day for my 20 minutes on the set. So I read and read and read and read. And read and it was great. Yeah, I don't think a so. Lot I guess that really modern fault. A lot of just. Right. I, I I don't think people realize how long you wait for something to happen. Like you're sitting waiting for a very long time uh, for everything to be set up. It's boring as all get out if you're not doing something else. I used to go with my husband. My husband was an actor for 30 years. And I'd go with him sometimes mm-hmm. on set and sit in his little what do you, motor home waiting to be called to go on. Hours and hours and hours with them because one shot took longer than they expected, and this happened and that happened, and then they're setting up the lighting. And I thought, God, I thought modeling was bad. That was horrible. I, I feel yeah, bad for those guys. It's a lot of waiting. It, it, I, a lot. I worked out. Um, I'm, I'm in Texas, and there was a place, a place called Green Hall, which is not too far. Um, and I worked out there, and they did a beer commercial. So they wanted a bunch of us from the restaurant to do uh, that sat behind it, the grist mill to come and be in like extras. And so we did it and we were there 15 hours for a 30 second commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they filmed a bunch of different things. So of course they pieced together like three or four commercials from it all day long. And it was in the summer um, uh-huh. and we were all just white by the end of it. But then we all made like a month's worth of pay with that one day. So of course then we loved it as soon as the check came, but I mean, still it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is a lot. So um, it's, it's not a fast thing. It's not like theater. And, and even then they're practicing for weeks and months before. So. Oh, and um, with theater, yeah. then you're doing the same show over and over and over and over again for as mm-hmm. long as your run is. I mean, right. that would drive me right. nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. We just went to New York and we saw some different ones, and I'm like, wow, they do this seven times a week. You know, there are eight, yeah. eight shows a week. This is a lot. They've got to be burning like a thousand calories a show. I mean, it's. <laughs> well, well, maybe it's sounding better. <laughs> right. And that's your workout. Ta-da. <laughs> right. I went to work. I'm like, I went and sat on my butt in my office for six hours. <laughs> Burned nothing. My my fingers that's are right. in awesome shape. <laughs> right, that's right. And I know how to write this very well. Um, 
So what have you not written yet that you want to? I want to finish my thriller series. I've got two more books that just I keep at a low simmer in my brain that follow the one I did write. So I do want to write that. Um, you know, I'm just open. I will write anything if it tells me it wants me to write it. So God knows where I'm going next. Maybe like alien romance or <laughs> totally teasing, but hey, if it happens, then it happens. Hey, if something jumps in, you know, why not? Um, so this is part of, you wanted to do uh, books two and three of the See No, like the first one, See No More, the Kate Randolph series. Right. Is that what you're talking about? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is available on her website. You can, the links are there. So go look at it, people, because it's on there. Um, and then, you know, you've got this, these, all these wonderful series, um, and you're finishing things up. Does it feel strange to have, like, a series completely done? I mean, do those characters ever – do people come back and say, but what about this character? Does that – Oh, when I finished Creekwater – Oh, my God, did I take flack from people for stopping at four books. They wanted to know about this person and that person and why did I stop. And I'm like, well, I've moved on. <laughs> so, But I do. I get people even now emailing me saying, could you please write this one character in Creekwater? I just need to read this book. And it, I just I can't go backwards like that. I mean, maybe someday I'll be able to, but right now they're just going to have to be mad at me. Did I lose you? Patricia, I think I lost you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I well, did. I was like, oh, my I gosh, did. I love Whitney. And it's like, no, you lost me. So <laughs> it's very strange. I'll fix it in post-production. Um, okay. So, but I was saying, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but it's, do you go back at some point? And if you finished a series do, and people come back to you and say, but what about this character? Do you feel the want to go back and, and write more in that series, or are you like, okay, I'm done? Well, so in the Creekwater series, that's the been the big one. Yeah. The, the Creekwater series is the big one where people are really mad that I didn't tie up one character for them. So I am tempted okay. at some point to go back and write this, give that series a fifth book. Um, in the Seven Brides series, it's seven books. I mean, each character has their own story. It's completely different. You know, it's different heroes yeah. and heroines in every book. But I'll be done with that. I, I don't think I'll take on another long series like that again. Um, mm -hmm. Relatively Normal was three books. The Mimi Chronicles was three books. I think I kind of like that three-book place because it keeps it fresh for me so I can jump in and do something right. totally different afterwards. Nice. So yeah, but how do you how do you keep your characters straight? Do you have do you write them down? Do you have a grid? Do you Excel? Do you just remember? I mean, you know, what is your method of story bibling basically? Well, I have my editor do a story bible for me. Oh nice. As they go through it, so I can go back and remember who's who. But Melanie and I, when we're writing a book. We forget the characters' names during the book. We're like, who is that person who blah, blah, blah. So we've started <laughs> writing them down because between the yeah. two of us, we just, can't, we just can't remember everything. We're both writing our own books. We're writing books together. So 
we do kind of yeah. jot them down as we go. It's it's funny because I've talked to different people and they're like, you know, the what was that character's name? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember. And they're like, but it was your book. It's like, you know, I don't remember oh, my kid's name. that's someday. nothing. So, you know. No, totally. <laughs> totally. I'm with you. I, I, if you asked me to name all of my heroines, I would, I would have to go to my bookshelf and look at the back of the books to tell you. I don't remember. A few of them I remember. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of information for sure. Um, because those, those, and you know, stories and plots and everything is just rolling around in your brain the whole time. Even the characters that you're done with, like, okay, but they're still there. They're still hanging out. Um, so yeah, it's it's a process. So you're you're thinking you're going to stick with um, three books uh, for future projects, but I guess it, like you're saying, it would depend on the project. I feel like I I have written one standalone rom-com. No, forget it. I wrote three standalone rom-coms. Everything else is part of a Uh series because, you know, for the longest time, that's what readers wanted a series. They wanted a series, but I am kind of itching to write a really fabulous standalone and just finished it in one book. So I think that might be next. I mean, I'm starting to get ideas, but I sort of have to shut those shut all the chatter down so I can finish the last four books on my plate right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely get, you can definitely drown in in all the possibilities if if you don't finish the projects that are already there, Um, which is always the problem with a pantser. Um, And if those listening, a pantser is a writer who just writes, like they don't necessarily have enough plan or an outline. A plotter is someone who writes everything down um, and then goes by that as they write. Of course, adjustments are made on either side. Um, I have a very good friend of mine who's an amazing writer, but she sits down and plots out. I mean, she knows, you know what the, the hero's dog's name was when he was six. You mean, you just think about everything. Um, I'm just, I just kind of wing it until I can't wing it. You know, like I've got this much. I have to kind of sit down and put it in some sort of order. So, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's always, everybody's got their own technique and, Every book is different, too. Some books, I'm sure you write from beginning to end, and then some is like you write by theme. I don't. I write from beginning to end. That's how my brain works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're writing, you're doing a great job. (laughs) Well, thank you. As long as my brain keeps working, I think I might be okay. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. It's going to be good. Right, right. Um, yeah, the last few years have been interesting, so definitely oh. taxing on the brain. Um, <laughs> it's been yeah. wild. It's it's yeah. It's it's uh, it's one of those things where you you think you just read about it in books, like everything shuts down and this weird you know, virus comes, and and you're like okay, and then it happens, and you're just kind of wondering what what I mean. It's yeah, it's it's a very interesting place to be for sure. So um, I would say my creativity really that. took off. No, I mean, and it did. A lot of people had that. Um, a lot of people, and I am so grateful for everybody who said, "Okay, well, I'm home, and I'll be working from home, yeah. or what have you, or I'm not going anywhere." So let's just make some magic happen. And, and you know, I I am so grateful for the everybody who did that because we needed an escape. All of us needed escape. So thank you. Well, well, those of us writing needed the escape too, I think, because 
for me, the day we went into quarantine, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'm like, ooh, I don't really want to pay a lot of attention to that. So I kept writing. And then my girls were home, and we're trying to make the most of that. And my mom was dying. My mom died in February. So all of that was going on. So for me, the writing was just the most fabulous. I don't have to be me for as many hours as I'm writing, <laughs> which is great. Right. I enjoyed that. Uh, for sure. How are you doing? Oh, I'm How fine. Doing? I'm fine. It was just a little okay. burp in the road. I don't, it was just fine. Surgery and radiation and it's passed. Good. Good. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I was thinking about a lot of people who are um, dealing with that kind of thing. I, I work with ovarian cancer advocacy and I'm just thinking of all the people that are dealing with these diagnoses while in quarantine or as the stuff's going on. It was a lot. So, um, so I'm glad you're okay. I was really lucky that I got diagnosed because after the day I went in, um, they I sat there in the waiting room waiting for my biopsy, listening to them cancel every appointment on their books. And I thought, mm. my God, those poor people, what if somebody actually needs that appointment? And my surgery got postponed and postponed and postponed. And that was a little stressful, mm-hmm. but I felt enormously fortunate that my appointment was not one day later because it would have been a completely different story for me. Right. I would have been canceled for a year yeah. and I would have been in real trouble. So I, I felt very fortunate with it all. And it was just, it was just a little hiccup, nothing more for me. Wow. Do you, will you bring the, will you bring any sort of, um, cancer awareness into your stories or is that something you're just going to leave in this world and not your fictional world? So I, I have no idea. (laughs) Um, For me, my heroines are heavy on the comedy because life is Mm -hmm. flipping funny. And so I want to laugh. So I want other people to laugh. So I'm heavy on the comedy. I'm not quite sure where breast cancer fits in on the comedy radar. I'm sure that there's a way to do it. And if it happens and wants to be told, I'll definitely write the book, but I'm not going out of my way looking to write that book. Sure. Sure. I I want the women who are waiting for chemotherapy to be laughing. Yeah. Yeah. You want them to, to, yeah, have those, those endorphins kicking in for laughter for sure. Um, and find a, a different way to see it, even if it's five minutes, you know, because um, I think Absolutely. that will hope. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've told, I'm, I'm sure someone out there is going to hear this and think, oh, my God, Patricia, you're terrible. When my grandmother passed away, she had leukemia, and she had been diagnosed on the 13th of July and died the 31st. It was very, very fast. Um, and she had uh, chemotherapy. And it was all very unexpected. She, you know, she was super healthy. She was expected to live to 104. You know, like the insurance company reluctantly said, oh, we're going to have to, you know, cover you to your 104. Um, and then, you know, a year later, you know, she's 78, um, and this happens. And so she didn't lose her hair while she was going through chemo because she died so fast. And um, because why? she'd asked to be, she was on the way, she, she died so fast. She didn't lose oh, uh-huh. her um, yeah. And so we're, um, she, she was on the ventilator. She has to be taken off. She says, I'm done. So we all said our goodbyes. 
and my cousin and I are in the room, and, and when someone, I've, I've been an ICU nurse and, and a trauma nurse, and so when someone passes away, there's this want to um, touch their hands and, like, touch their face. You know, it's, it's one of those moments. And I touched my grandmother's face, and I ran my thumb across her eyebrow, and it fell out. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and my cousin completely lost his mind because he's like, what did you just do? And my mom and my uncle and, you know, everyone's outside, and we're in there looking like Lucy and Ethel trying to figure out how to put her eyebrows back in. And it was one of those moments that was so, so absurd that um, we couldn't, we were crying and laughing at the same, and freaking out at the same time. It really was one of those just dreadful moments, and, and we've mentioned it to each other since then. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that you go, I had no idea this would be what we'd be doing right now. Um, so, yeah, stories come. <laughs> From everywhere, and um, there's it, yeah, there's it's, so it's much humor in death. Yeah. yeah, and there's so yeah. much humor in it. Like my mom was dying from cancer, and it was a slow. It was supposed to be very slow going, but she had a fall that started a brain bleed, which excelled it enormously. Even when she couldn't get out of bed, she would look at me and say, "You need to get me on that scale so I can find out how much weight I lost." <laughs> can't pick you up and put you on the scale and she's like why why can't you do that I want it in my obituary she lost 56 pounds and looked great (laughs) yes it's a lot of humor yeah 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 it's 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 very interesting how people approach it it's it's different and and some people um if they are able and uh it can be quite a beautiful moment um, oh. Not everybody's is, of course, but yeah, it really can be quite a, a beautiful moment to be there for someone as they go to the next adventure. You know, um, both of my it, parents died a, in my home, and I was there, and it was it was absolutely extraordinary. I'm so blessed to have had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, those moments I think people don't talk about enough. But, yeah, how do you put it in a story to be uplifting, you know? Um, because we're trying to make people laugh. It's a hard, it's a hard subject. But um, I'm, I appreciate you sharing it today because that will help somebody who's hearing it. So thanks. That's a big Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy so, to do it. We are going to wrap it up. So, Miss Whitney Deenan, I so appreciate you talking to us today about your many, many projects. Um, ones that are out, ones that are coming, and ones that are in the you know universe floating around somewhere soon to attach to your brain and give us another amazing few books. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it was a fun chat. I always enjoy talking to you. So everybody's been listening and talking to Wendy Deenan. She is a writer of children's books, mommy, fic- mommy fiction, rom-coms, and thrillers. She's Her newest release, No Ordinary Hate, is from her A Gamble on Love series. It's a mom-com series, single moms finding love, which all single moms, single dads, need to find some happiness in the world because, you know, there's a lot out there. Um, And she has a ton of other books out there as well. And you can look at her website, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, BookBub, and Goodreads. All of that is in the write-up of the show. So please, everybody, keep on reading and stay safe. 
This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.